0: Planning or thinking about a camping or do-it-yourself hunting trip? This segment's for you.
1: Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Shields Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and today we are talking hunting trips in specific do-it-yourself trips, camping where everyone else isn't, and doing it in style. We have a few different guests with us today. We have Steve McLeod of Voorshire Trailers, Mike Hernandez of the YouTube channel Fieldcraft Survival, and Brooks Hansen of Camp Chef Cooking Gear. All right, let's dive into this. Steve, would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm Steve McLeod. I'm uh, uh, here with Borshire. Uh We build overlanding and camp trailers that also have a unique ability for emergency survival use.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, I've uh, you know I've never seen one of these Borshear trailers in person, but they look like some pretty sweet units
1: they are. They're,
0: they're a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll, so, we'll dive a little bit into what, uh, what they're all about here in a little bit, but, uh, next let's, uh, let's go to Mike Hernandez. Can you introduce yourself, tell you a little bit about what's going on and what, uh, like your YouTube channel or your content and that stuff?
2: Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, like you said, my name is Mike Hernandez. I am the Fieldcraft Survival Mobility Director. Uh, you can find us at Fieldcraft Survival or the Fieldcraft Survival channel, um, on Instagram and YouTube, but basically we're a preparedness company uh, that, uh, specializes in survival, but you know, it's such a broad and exciting genre. Um, I think I have the best job there where I get to do stuff like this, where we talk about hunting and camping and overlanding and, and firearms training. Um, so it's kind of like an all encompassing lifestyle, uh, brand.
0: Okay. Very cool. And then last but not least, we've got Brooks Hansen with camp chef.
3: Yeah, like you said, I'm Brooks Hansen with Camp Chef. i um, been with the company for almost 10 years. We are a manufacturer of all things outdoor cooking. So whether your activities are in the backcountry, on an overlanding expedition, or on your back patio, we have a product that uh, will take care of you and uh, make your meals better. So been around for about almost 35 years, um, coming close to that. And uh, like I said, we make all things cooking in the outdoors. So excited to be here.
0: All right, perfect. And you know, I'm I'm especially excited to do this segment because um, I have a hunting trip planned with my dad. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a North Dakota Badlands mule deer hunt. It's going to be the very first time that my dad has went out doing any style of western hunting. Awesome. Yeah, he you know grew up doing a lot of whitetail. I just kind of introduced him to turkey hunting a little bit, and he started applying for a a North Dakota archery tag and he's got a crossbow too he he got a doctor's permit with it and it's like all right we're gonna go chase mule deer out in the badlands so i'm i'm totally jacked about it i've i've been in like hunting mode but now like i need to get in like camping in the preparation mode for that because i haven't even like looked at anything that i've done in regards to that so you know let's start a little bit with this like vorshire trailers. So I mean like I've looked at it online and they look like a pretty sweet rig but Steve can you just like talk to us a little bit about what these trailers are all about what they can sort of like do for you?
1: Yeah so the the vorshire trailers we've got we've got three different models. We've got a XOC which is our extreme overland camper. We've got an XCR, which is our extreme expedition rig. And then we've got our our new, our latest, our XCT, which is our extreme camp trailer. Um, the idea behind our trailers is uh, to just truly get off grid. Um, you're, not, you're not limited to going to traditional campgrounds where you're going to have people all around you all the time. I mean, it, as I like to say, if you've got the vehicle and the talent to drive your vehicle, the trailer's going to go wherever you want to go. And so, um, good example, uh, we were out filming with um, Diesel Dave from uh, Diesel Brothers several months back. And we took the trailer up over Hell's Revenge in Moab, did the entire trail with a little Jeep. And, you know, that's certainly not a place you're going to take a fifth wheel or even a big bumper pull. And so (laughs) we we did all the off-camber stuff. We did all the... All the technicals, I mean, everything performed perfectly. And so, yeah, the neat thing is is you can, you can get out there and just truly be by yourself and be alone. And, and what's, what's a bigger deal to me is you can take the kids out and get the – you know, the kids aren't they, – they can't go hide in a big fifth wheel with leather furniture and big screen TVs and be on their smartphones. I mean, our trailer is going to provide some shelter at night, but that aside – uh, they're going to be outside. They're going to have to learn, you know, they're going to learn to stargaze, start a fire, uh, read terrain, go hiking, skip rocks, you know, do, do things, in my opinion, that kids should be doing when they're out camping, not, not playing on a smartphone.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of time for that. You can do that back at home. Once you're out in the wilderness, you know, just kind of take in what you all got. And yeah, I mean, this trailer really intrigues me because it it seems like it's right up my alley for like my style of hunting. Because you know where where we're going out in the Badlands, like I've I've hunted this spot or like this area for you know probably about five years now, and I found this like two track trail that comes off you know that comes off the main road, and it's it's one you. You can definitely drive on when I've seen vehicles on and stuff, but like once it gets kind of sketchy, there's, there's really not a lot of traffic. Like I go back to um, when I drew a rifle tag out there, I was, I was chasing this buck and i you know, he bet he bed it down, got too dark before I could before I could get a shot, so I decided to come back the next morning and I was greeted to like seven inches of fresh snow. And thankfully <laughs> I've got like a I've got a Toyota tundra that's that's lifted and some bigger tires. So I was like, oh I'm gonna get back there. I will likely be the only one back there. But uh-huh. um, you know, just the thought of being able to actually camp right on that site and bring one of, you know, like bring everything that you that you really need with one of these trailers is really cool. So, you know, talk to me about what you, what you can all fit in these things and what, and what it all has. So um, it, it's, we'll
1: say it's mission dependent. We'll, we'll, let's let's okay. use that term. So it's, it comes down to what you're wanting to do. You know, if you're, if you're just, uh, you know, you're wanting to go hunting um, and it's just, you know, Hey, the wife doesn't want to go. It's just you. Well then life's pretty easy. I mean, you can get away with a pack of hot dogs, can chili. <laughs> um, you know, little you know, minor hunting gear. I mean, you can be on the road in like 10 minutes with this. That's what's nice about it. And, and you're not limited to where you can go. Um, or if, uh, you know, if it's more, you know, if you're trying to use it for, you know, maybe emergency preparedness, um, that's a whole different setup. And that's one thing we like about our trailers is we try to keep them somewhat of a blank slate, make them easy to outfit because everybody's going to have their own particular use or need. Um, I mean, at the core of it, it's a camp trailer. Um, That's at the core. And you're going to have hot and cold water and you're going to have, you know, air conditioning. You have cabin heat. I mean, you're going to have some some basic amenities. But the the true beauty is you can really outfit it however you want for whatever you're going to do. If it's just camping with the kids, you've got plenty of storage, plenty of gear. They actually ride on a 5,200 pound suspension and the trailers only weigh about 2,300 pounds. So you can load them up quite a bit, um, with whatever you need. You just got to remember you got to unload it all when you get there, because some of it might be on your bed. Um, but, but it, it's, it's very mission specific to what you want to do. Okay. Um, yeah. If you want to, you just want to get out of town quick on a Friday night, um, it's, you know, grab a couple things, throw it in and, and, and you're gone. I mean, you're not, you're not trying to maneuver a big RV off the side of the house and, and and figure out, okay, where are we going up the canyon? How many people are going to be there? Am I going to end up going down a road that I'm going to need to back a fifth wheel out of? I, I did that once. I had to back a
0: fifth wheel two miles down a dirt road. Oh, oh that would be just misery. Oh, I, it, it was,
1: <laughs> I won't do the whole story. But, yeah, we were driving up, and my wife's like, are you sure we can camp up here? And I said, I don't know. We'll just keep going. And, and it, dawned, it was getting pretty bad. And I, I hit a point. I thought, okay, we're not going to be able to turn around. And this, and the road was getting narrow. I almost had half the tires hanging off almost a cliff and, uh, and, and fifth wheels don't back up the way they track when you're pulling them. Mm -hmm. And I uh, believe that we spent some time backing that thing down. It was fun. And, (laughs) <laughs> and won't we'll, we'll ever do that again. Neat thing about our trailers, you can unhitch them and rig them off. We put recovery rings on them. You know, there's 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 four D rings, uh, you know, fore and aft on the trailer. We put uh, load bars on them. So there's different ways if you need to unhitch that trailer and spin it on the trail. Trail, you can actually do that.
0: So okay. Very, very cool. So, um, you know, I'd like to take this to, uh, y- you know, go a different layer here and then, uh, you know, kind of bring Mike in here. So Mike, you you've worked a little bit with these shear trailers yeah. and you know all about this, you know, field craft survival. You've got a, you know, YouTube channel, podcast, all that stuff. Can you talk about some of like your experiences with it? And then just kind of experiences, you know, this sort of style of hunting in general.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What what I love about Steve's product is it's kind of like this uh, Swiss Army knife, modularity, like AR-15 Legos kind of thing, right? You can truly, like he said, make it your own. So that's really appealing to someone like me who has, you know, three kids. Yeah, I'm a foster parent, so sometimes I have more depending on, you know, where our family direction is going. And like you could literally just mix and match and change things from that or like you said, if it's me heading out. So I've I have i have got a chance to kind of play with it a little bit. Uh, hopefully he'll let me take it on our next trip, but uh, it, you know, the thing about the thing about the trailer and the way that the XOC is set up is there's there's a huge difference between like tent camping and then when you have like a shower um, or or hard walls or a heater and an air conditioner inside of it. I mean, it it changes everything. There's like a level of comfort and luxury that that you can get from a real small package that it's it's a game changer, man. Um, you know, you're going hunting with your dad. And um, I I did a hunt. I think this one was like 10 years ago. And it was like negative four degrees uh, up in northern Arizona. And I don't know how deep you want me to get into the story, but <clears throat> one of our one of our he was actually my mentor. Uh, got separated from the group and we had an emergency situation. And one of the things that made the whole difference after, you know, the end of it is the ability to get into something like that, escape from the elements, even if it was, you know, for a few hours at night and kind of like recharge yourself. So there, there's a lot of different ways that you can utilize these things from a recreational standpoint, but also that will aid you in like your cyber survivability out there, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And y- y- you know, you touched on the whole shower thing right away. And <laughs> like, I, there's a lot of times where I'm out, like, elk hunting in Colorado or something. It's like, man, I could, I'd just kill for like a regular shower, you know, like I'll, t- I'll take like, you know, I'll pack in a bunch of water. I'll have like four gallon jugs or whatever and then just dump it on myself it's like okay that'll get the job done but it's it's really not quite the same and i think there's a lot to be said about that whole just recharge thing you know like especially when you're spending multiple days on this hunt like yeah it's strenuous it's difficult yeah. like or you get punished by the elements
2: right yeah, like exactly I mean, really
0: that ability to just like recharge will just put you back in the game and set you that much farther ahead for you know being successful on day three day four day five day six or whatever so but um you know we we haven't really talked about survival much on this podcast i'm 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 pretty intrigued about this so like what sort of stuff are you bringing out with what are some must-haves on trips like this that maybe people don't really necessarily think about but you should probably have with you
2: so i mean there's so many different ways we can go with this um you know what we'll, we'll we'll address one thing in particular and that's like a, a a go back right or a backpack or your pack or your kit that you go hunting with um it's a must-have and it's usually tailored like that trailer you know to whatever environmental stuff you're gonna see um as we kind of go over some of the things that are in it uh, one of the main points is going to be uh, like med or or some kind of like first aid right basic first aid um, because things can happen. You know, there's some inherent risk when you're out in the backcountry um, with other uh, uh, hunters, but also with some of the, you know, wildlife that, that, that's, that's out there. We have had a, a pretty cool opportunity here recently with, with some of our media stuff at Craft Survival to produce uh, some stories of survival. And there's been several times, you know, that, that we've interviewed some of these guys and they've had some close calls uh, with injuries, Uh, so one thing that you want to focus on when you're out is, you know, be able to address, you know, minor scrapes, bumps, bruises, um, and then also be able to manage some trauma because it can happen while you're out there in the backwoods.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So what sort of stuff do you have in your pack and then in the trailer?
2: Cool. So, um, loadout is like one of these things that like, like vehicle guys like me, and preppers and, and, and preparedness-minded people really can get in the weeds on. So you're gonna have to like guide me because I could I could just go all day on loadout. Uh gear's a lot of fun, but what I what I like to do is like for introductory conversations like that is break it up into pillars, right? So if if you're looking to set up a trailer or a bag, um you're gonna wanna prioritize certain things. So food is one, water, shelter obviously is the trailer. So you got food water shelter communications which can be you know like a GR, GMRS comms handheld family radio um security which is the top priority um med uh and then go from there right food is also another one and fire
0: Okay nice So let's talk a little bit about your your channel like what what sort of stuff can you know somebody that's never heard of fieldcraft survival what are they going to find on there
2: you know, I think I think in the beginning of the company, when, when Mike Glover started it, we were pretty well known for, like, firearms training, right? He's a firearms guy. He's, you know, CIA, Special Forces, stuff like that. But when you look at preparedness um, as a whole, you're going to find mindset stuff, right? If you're looking at this house that we build up, we use a graphic, and, and at the top of it, mindset is like the beginning. I know for me, you know, I grew up as an outdoorsman, and, and we are doing all this fun, you know, off-road stuff and hunting uh, but I think the preparedness stuff doesn't click in until you you're ready and your mindset is at that point for me, it was like my, my daughter, right? When I had her, I was like, Oh my God, I have everything to lose. I need to better myself in order to be self-sustaining, right? After that, you're going to find three pillars, which is the person or your everyday carry mobility, which is my pillar. And it's your vehicle to vehicle land movement, which is where for sure fits in. And then you have your homestead. Um, so after all those three pillars, uh, the foundation for all those things in our house is community. So you're going to find a lot of content on those things.
0: Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So when we first, you know, I started talking about setting up this podcast uh, I heard like, Hey, you got to hear this lost Hunter story from Mike. <laughs> so uh, like, I'm curious about this. So can you, can you tell us? Yeah.
2: So, and I, and this story has been, um, I don't know, so life-changing for me because when I first started getting into hunting, you know, like my uncles would take me or or I call them my uncles. They're like, you know, men in our church, right? They would say, hey, let's go. I was 15 years old and we'd go dove hunting and stuff like that. And as I started to get older, I wanted to do a little bit more harder hunts and, you know, go after the elk and, and deer and stuff. So I attached myself to a mentor who's considerably older than me. And I was really excited. You know, guy has so many successful hunts, really great friend of mine and my, my father's. And, uh, this was like the second time ever that I've gone on, on, a on an elk hunt. And, um, <clears throat> we, we drew a tag in Northern Arizona and, uh, it was an early season hunt. So there is still some weather like currently right now in Arizona down in the Valley. Uh, we have monsoon season, July, August, sometimes in September. So it creates these huge storms. Um, and then our, uh, early season hunt was October. So we're in northern Arizona, uh, first day, second hunt I've ever been on. I had one of my younger cousins with me, uh, first hunt he's ever been on. And we're just like living the dream, right? We're out there enjoying ourselves, glassing. Uh, We come across this area that was uh, um, uh, marked off for private land. So what we'd have to do is park our vehicle and then hike, I think it was two miles uh, around the border of the private land to get to where uh, the unit intersected, right? Real easy, everything was was um, marked. Even the owner of the ranch had signs that said, hey, leave your vehicles here, you guys can walk this way because it's pretty common uh, for a public land hunt in that direction, right? So lunchtime comes around. If you guys have been hunting, you know that that midday lull comes. You're not going to see a lot of action. There's not a lot of movement. Um, a lot of times the animals are bedded down because it's the middle of the day. And we, I remember laying down against a tree with my cousin in my pack and my, and my binos and kind of like nodding off <laughs> as that lunchtime hit. Then, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and our mentor who was with us, he's like, Hey Mikey, I'm going to go this direction. Um, just to get eyes. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of bored. Um, you guys relax and, and I'll be back. And I was like, cool. Lo and behold, that was like the foreshadowing of what would be the next 24 hours. Right. So it's midday. Um, I wanna say around 1.30 p.m. I don't remember exactly when he said that. I just remember it was around lunchtime. I wanna say around 1.30 p.m. I look over to my cousin and I'm like, man, have you seen, have you seen him? I, he hasn't checked in. Did we fall asleep? And we're kind of like doing self checks, right? So we start processing through it. And I realize that a, you know, a, a few minutes have passed. I get up, I walk around, I don't see him. And I start documenting, okay, 30 minute increments. 30 minutes have been an hour. Uh, at the hour mark, I'm like, let's get a hold of my dad who is back at, uh, at the time I had a big class CRV. So I call my dad and I'm like, okay, so um, our mentor has gone. And I'm trying not to use his name because I don't want to, I don't want to cause any <laughs> any issues or anything with that. Uh, let's just call him John for, for argument's sake. And uh, my dad's like, so it's been 45 minutes, almost an hour. I said, yeah. He goes, okay, uh, go ahead and call in search and rescue. So, so go ahead and make the call. He's like, your, your logic is correct on this. Let's just start the process. So we call in and they say, okay, you know, we, we gave them our grid location. Um, uh, uh, we'll be out there just here where there's three other guys lost in the exact same hunting unit. Um, we already have assets on the ground and in the air. I said, okay. I hang up the phone. As soon as I hang up the phone, lightning strikes start happening. This huge like burst of of weather hits us. It starts raining. So we make our way back to to my truck. It was a Gen 1 Raptor outside of the private area, which was a couple miles away, to make sure he's not there. He's not there, look over everything. It, it, It actually appeared at the time that John had left all of his stuff at our truck. So I'm thinking, why did he do that, you know? Starts to kind of set in a, a more concern because I'm like, his, his bags here, all of the stuff that we talked about, right, for survivability is in that bag. And he was experienced, um, but decided to leave that there. And I start thinking, you know what, he's, he's diabetic. He's wearing like shorts, a long sleeve T-shirt and a poncho. It's going to get really cold tonight. So we go back and forth um, within, I want to say two hours, two times. So we make that two-mile trip back and forth on foot. Um, in the rain, we're soaking wet. By this time, it's probably around four or five o'clock, and we start to get really concerned because <clears throat> as the water and, and rain start pouring in, it starts giving us a really, really thick layer of mud and, and rain, and we're soaked. Uh, finally, in the evening, uh, we, we get a park ranger uh, that that comes in, or not a park ranger, a forest service, uh, a forest service guy, a county sheriff guy comes in. Uh, the sun starts to go down and, you know, my adrenaline has been pumping all day. The sun goes down. The guys give us like thermal and night vision. And what turns into hours turns into about 930 p.m. OK, and we have no sign of him. It's pitch black out there. The rain lets up a little bit. Cloud coverage is there, which coincidentally, thank God that the cloud settled in because it'll it'll factor in later in the story. And, um, uh, the sheriff comes to us and he's like, listen, I know you don't want to hear this. Uh, it's 10 30 PM. There's no sign of him. You've helped us out all day. You gotta go home. And I'm like, you're kidding me. He goes, no, he goes, I'm worried about you guys. You've been out here all day. You haven't eaten. You've been humping back and forth between this area. You know, we had about a five mile square radius that we, uh, you know, were looking at one of the ends of it had like these fingers, these Canyon fingers that dropped pretty drastically. He goes, he may or may not be down there. There's nothing more you can do. We, we can't bring in, you know, air support because the weather just, just please go home. And I'm like, good Lord. So my cousin and I go back to my dad who's at our RV and just thinking the worst, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to play back in my head. How does this happen? This guy is seasoned. We got separated. The weather's happening. You know, if he's wet, you know, and diabetic and, oh man, I just, I, I was thinking the worst, couldn't sleep at all. Um, tried to though because i knew and even the sheriff was like get some rest come back tomorrow morning as early as you want he goes i'm not going anywhere this is my shift and i was like okay cool so me and my cousin go back i want to say i probably slept 30 minutes my dad gets up around like three in the morning and starts getting uh, my truck ready and at the time i had a couple of quads and um the phone rings the next morning and um uh, it was whoever was in charge of, of the rescue efforts and they said hey look we're still looking for your guy uh, just so your are aware to those three other guys. We haven't found yet, um, but you know, we're doing a shift change. This is the guy's number is going to be. We just want to communicate that and me and my dad load up and head to uh, town to get refuel. So um, that was about three 30 around five in the morning. As we're making our way to where we need to be, we get a phone call and it's, we found him. He's okay just come back to the rendezvous point where you guys were at. So we're like, Oh my God, you know, uh, huge relief. You know, I was, we were all thinking the worst and we get there and, and, and John is standing there like, dude, unfaced, like this mountain man, (laughs) (laughs) just just, in a t-shirt shorts, spent the night in like, like 45 degree weather, you know, soaking wet and rain in a poncho t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt and shorts. And I, and I walk over to him and I give him a big old hug and I'm like, what the hell happened and he and he goes honestly i I don't know. he goes one second we were glassing, there was a huge you know effing lightning strike <laughs> he goes and as I begin to make my, my way back, somehow I got turned around, ended up walking fifteen miles is where they estimated in the complete opposite direction. This guy found an outcropping of one of the the cliffs, and the water had built up like a crust of mud and in in, in And like leaves, and he's like, I walked over, swipe that away, laid down, and put it over myself when I realized that I was gonna have to to bed down for the night. And that's how he he got shelter, right? He did a couple times, you know, there was some wildlife running around. He can't answer, he's like, I don't know why I put all my stuff down. I shouldn't have left that bag in your in your rig. Um, but I'm here, I'm totally fine. He's like, I'm a little hungry. He's like, I'm not thirsty because it was rain all night. He's like, So if we can get back to camp, he's like, I'd like to continue hunting, and we're all like,
0: Okay. <laughs> That's so, hardcore right there. So
2: this, Right. So this dude goes back to our RV, takes a shower. We make a hot meal. He swaps out his clothing and then goes right back out with us the very same day to go continue our hunt in that trip.
0: That is That is next level dedication <laughs> right there. God, <laughs> intense. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine the guy was hungry just a little bit. You know, and I think right. that that brings us to a pretty good segue to bring in Brooks here with Camp Chef.
3: We're going to talk about food.
0: I, I think it's time. I think it's time <laughs> to start talking about food. So um, talk to us a little bit about Camp Chef, what it's all about.
3: You bet. Well, Camp Chef's about a lot of things. Um, I love hearing the stories. Thanks, Mike. That's a, that's a yes, cool sir. story. Um, I think that we can all attest that we all like food. I haven't met anybody that does not like food. If they tell you they don't like food, they're liars right <laughs> um, but uh, that's what camp chef's about. they're about bringing people together. If you think back, even our pastime all the way back to caveman, what did they do? They enjoyed fire and food together. I mean some of our greatest pastimes are when we sit around a table and maybe enjoy a good meal with friends, family, whoever it may be um that's that's kind of where we we can connect as humans is is around you know a campfire and enjoying a good meal and so we like to bring that out and uh we like to bring that out in the the best of everyone and the cool thing is is we've got such a large gamut of products that will take you from like i mentioned earlier the back patio all the way to the back country so if you're uh, in survival gear mode and you're you're doing a through hike and you need a backpacking stove that's going to boil you some water and maybe warm up uh, some protein or get any type of carbohydrates in you uh we've got a product for that if uh, we're sitting at uh, a car camp with a big class CRV, and we want to feed a group of 10 to 15 people. We've got products that can take care of that. And if we want to go overlanding and put a, a killer aluminum stove or a smaller two-burner stove, suitcase-style stove on a warshare trailer and go into remote areas but still have the amenities of a kitchen, we've got products for that. And then once we harvest an animal and uh, we take it home and we want to smoke some jerky or we want to make a great big, uh, maybe it's a wild boar shoulder or back straps or whatever it is, you know, between our pellet grills and our flat tops and all the cool things you can put on your patio, we can cover you there. So, I mean, a large gamut of product. We were founded on the uh, um, the idea that there's got to be a better way. Um, coming up almost 35 years ago, our founder ended up um, having to feed a plethora of Boy Scouts, and uh, that's that's not a fun task when you've got 12 to 14 (laughs) year old boys that are hungry and when all you got is a small, a small two burner stove to try and take care of them. And so he looked for a better way and he couldn't find one. So he said, fine, I'll make one. And that's where our Pro 60 two burner stove was, uh, was developed and engineered was a 30,000 BTU, uh, stove that was big enough to hold a big flat top griddle or a big grill box where you could cook for more than more than just two or three people you could cook for 15 to 20 and have enough surface area to grill a bunch of pancakes or bacon or whatever and that's that's the whole idea is our our modular cooking systems between our pro 16 and our pro 14 stoves is whether it's a pizza oven whether it's a grill box whether it's just a skillet and a saucepan we can do all that You know grew into dutch ovens and cast iron and overlanding stoves and everything that you can you can dream of is kind of where we went so um, yeah, hearing all these stories, it's, it's making me want to, it's making, uh, it's making me want to get to hunt and get to hunt camp. So
2: yep, I'm absolutely. jealous that you got
3: one coming up with your dad. Um, I've got an elk hunt coming up with my dad that I'm pretty pumped about. Um, he gets to be the, the hunter and, uh, I'm excited. So yeah, there's so many cool things that I believe happen in hunting camp or fish camp, or even just an overlanding expedition around food. So
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely so let's uh let's do a little situation here so we'll just go we'll just go to this hunt i have with my dad so five day hunt so let's say you know hopefully we end up getting something let's say we end up getting something on day four so what uh what's like the perfect the perfect wish list of of cooking stuff to bring so it's like okay i'm i'm gonna you know just you know bring my stuff to the you know to the campsite and then i end up shooting one what do i need for for the initial stuff and then after i get my animal to to fully utilize it
3: so as far as camp chef products like what's the, yep. the
0: what's what's my camp what's my camp chef wish list or my pack list so the-
3: I would say it depends on what you're doing. Are you backpacking in and you need to be remote? So weight's going to be issue. No, Are I'm, I'm taking, vo- I'm
0: taking this four trailer and I'm going a, a little bit off the grid and then I'm going to set up my campsite there and then I'm reusing that as a base camp.
3: So I would probably with the worst trailer, take either our Everest stove or our mountaineer stove. Our mountaineer is a, uh, an aluminum stove with 20,000 BTU burner, high pressure, light easy it can fit right onto one of their folding like slide out tables and goes right into part of their camp kitchen um, or i'm taking the pro 60 or the yeah, pro 60 stove or pro 14 stove which is a little bigger but it comes in a carry bag and can fit right in the back of the the truck or maybe on inside the trailer in a compartment And then you can pull it up and create your own camp kitchen um, the benefits with the pro 16 or pro 14 stove Sorry, um, is the modularity because I can have a grill box with me and I can have a flat top with me. So if it's me and my dad, I've got an extra burner that I can put a, a pot of coffee on in the morning or a perk pot. I've also got that burner if I needed to make a sauce or skillet, if I want to do skillet eggs or potatoes or something. But I also have the benefit of having the grill box if we're going to grill. Maybe we're going to grill some fish or chicken the first night because we haven't got an animal harvested yet. Um, and then I also have the versatility of having the flat top griddle with it. If we're going to do like a big, maybe a pancake breakfast before we head out or maybe a big breakfast brunch after we've hunted in the morning. So those two items are probably what is going to be key um, that I'm going to take in, into the backcountry.
0: Okay, very cool. So how about, how about some recipes? Do you have any recipes for us?
3: Well, I, I would say when you're planning um, a hunting trip or you're planning an overland trip, um, it's just like Mike said. He's not going to go into the backcountry without being prepared. Like when he when he talks about what am I taking with? He goes, I could spend four hours on what what I need because it's preparedness, and that's what he's going to do. I would say the same thing goes for cooking. I mean, if you just show up and expect uh, things to happen, it's it's not as easy. So I usually try and do a meal plan, and I try and prep as much stuff at home before I go. So it's a lot easier because if we're hunting, um, we want to focus and spend as much time in the field than around the trailer. So maybe I'll chop onions, peppers, or mushrooms, or whatever it is I'm cooking, part of the recipe. I'll chop it and either vac it or put it in a zipper bag and throw it in the cooler or the fridge. That way, when we get off the hill, I'm dumping and going. Um, recipes. Some of my favorite recipes, um, if we're going into a, a great big uh, um, uh, cold weather storm, I, I love a good soup. Um, I love to make mm. like a, a wi- wild grouse or a wild pheasant um, uh, pheasant noodle soup and that's something that you can make at home before and then it's frozen it's ready to go at camp um but i'd say one i'm a big protein guy i i, I like red meat so i love to take a back strap off a deer um or uh, off an antelope or whatever it is elk um it's, it's what everybody likes right and it, it kind of gets old but my go-to with that is i'm going to season it with a little bit of uh olive oil as a binder and i'm going to go salt and pepper keep it really simple And I'm going to get my grill box super hot, and I'm going to sear that to um, get an internal temp at about 120 degrees and then let it rest up to about 125. And in my saucepan, I really like a nice glaze to go over the top. So in that saucepan, I'll take some raspberry preserves or some raspberry jelly or jam, um, some garlic, some rosemary, some thyme, and then I have a stick of butter, and I'm going to reduce that down. Grill that uh, backstrap, pull it off, slice it on the bias, and then just put that glaze right over the top. Um, one of my go-tos, something I really enjoy, is is just you can really taste the flavor in, in that wild game when you do that.
0: Love it. So hey,
3: what's can you, can
1: I um, ask the, a question real quick? Yeah, go for it. Hey, next time we go camping, what do you want to come cook for us?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, Absolutely. <laughs> that's
1: awesome because
3: that sounds a lot
0: better than what we end up doing <laughs> yep i'll agree with there's that 100 percent.
3: <laughs> you know what there's so many cool things you can do with food and all you have to do is a little bit of prep like if you plan and and it, it's not that hard i mean i can think of all the different meals that i've done in the backcountry i spent you know nine days and 160 miles north of the arctic circle where we got dropped off by a float plane to try and hunt caribou and I took a soft side cooler with me that had all my proteins froze for the first three days. And we were having halibut and salmon and, nice. and, 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 ri- and ribeyes until we got a caribou down. Then we just, oh, man. The we, we smoked caribou ribs with the fresh alders and, and leaves. And we, uh, we did all kinds of cool stuff, but we just planned ahead. I had vegetables chopped and froze ready to go. So when we were come back after a long, you know, four or five mile hike in the tundra, we could just pop the stove open and start dumping and going. We're not spending time chopping and it was, it was awesome. It, it was awesome. And we ate really good and it, it made for a better camp. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Brooks, you better watch out or otherwise you're going to become like literally the camp <laughs> chef for a bunch <laughs> of people here.
3: <laughs> I've been called a lot worse thing. So I'll take
0: it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, love it. So I'd I'd like to do a little round table here. So, um, you know, when your guys' spaces, what's, um, What's one piece of advice you'd give somebody uh, on an upcoming backcountry hunt, Steve? Let's start with you.
1: Um, for for me, it's 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 planning, and it's uh, so everything I do, whether whether it's camping or hunting or fishing or all the above, or um, even if I'm just going out to visit some of our dealers. I mean, I'm kind of the planner. Like I'm always, I want to know. Where's every mill coming from? How long am I going to be on the road? Um, and it's just, it's an OCD thing I have. So, so for me, it's it's going to be all about the planning. I, I'm just a, am just ai want an agenda on everything. I I don't need to know, Hey, we're going to hike this trail for this long and turn left at that tree. But, but I want to have an idea what area are we covering? I'm a big weather guy to me, weather's one of the biggest things. I think a lot of people tend to overlook when they're going out. Um, and I don't always trust the weather on my phone. More <laughs> Not the weather on my phone's wrong. Um, and So I have a d- couple different sources I always look at at weather. And that just goes back, I, I got a background in oil fields and pipelines. And, and so we worked in that all day. And so You know, going to work, we needed to know, is it going to be 40 below tonight or (laughs) or what are we up against? So weather was always probably, for me, one of the biggest things because it determined everything after that. How, you know, what kind of clothing are we taking? Uh, Me personally, on a hot day, I don't want to eat a big heavy meal. It's just the way my body works. But on a cold day the heavier the mill the better. <laughs> so, so I, I always start with weather. I would say that's probably one of the most important things I'm going to plan around is, is what's, what's the weather. Cause you can go from extremes too, like in Arizona where you've got a hundred plus degrees in the day and you can drop down to freezing at night. Yep, and, and that's a whole new dynamic to plan around as well. You know? So, so weather's a big one for me when I'm going to plan a, a backcountry trip.
0: All right. Excellent yep. advice. Mike, what do you got for us?
2: so so for me and you you might have seen this because we're you know on this video chat i i fidget so for me uh the the physical fitness portion of it is is super important um i think that a lot of times uh when we get into situations or survival situations or even recreational situations like hunting uh we tend to overestimate our physical abilities um and i've been caught up in something like this before but when you're looking at environmental factors, like if there's an emergency, like the one that we experienced, you know, your body needs to be able to to be able to manage the stress of that if that happens, but also, you know, the elevation changes can also affect you. So focus on cardio. Um, I tend to work out, you know, majority time of, of the year anyways, uh, but you can get into situations where, you know, I, like for me, I, I typically live around a thousand feet elevation and then in northern Arizona, we can easily get up and past ten to twelve thousand uh, feet in elevation, and that will affect your heart, and that'll affect you know the way that your body reacts. Um, but also, you know, you're carrying a bunch of gear, uh, which isn't normal for you to do on a daily basis. And then the huge payout is when you do get your kill, you're able to take that thing out of the backcountry with you, you know, and it's an enjoyable experience. I like the challenge of that. You know, there's nothing like going out and you got you know, 10 pounds of meat a piece. And you guys are coming back and forth and you're humping all that stuff out. So I would say focus on cardio, focus on your workouts.
0: Okay. Good stuff. Brooks.
2: Um,
3: Something that comes to mind is uh, before you go figure out how you're going to judge success. I think a lot of people get wrapped up that success is only the size of the antlers or if you are able to tag out or not. And and sometimes that may not be the case. Um, So I think before you got really, you know, think about that. So, so you're not putting so much pressure on yourself. So you're not having fun and not so much pressure on trying to tag out. And that eliminates the fun. We've always said, you know, we can't control the re- uh, the weather and we can't control if you harvest something. But mm-hmm. if you eat like crap, if you eat like crap, that's your fault because you can control that. So maybe control the controllables and figure out what you're going to define as sec- success. Because for me, sometimes just having a really cool outing, um, is successful, and you have a good time. You might see some animals, you might have some really cool stocks, and you get back and you might be bummed because you didn't tag out. I mean, ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to kill a big deer. We want to kill a big elk. I mean that's that's just nature. That's why we're doing it. But if we put so much uh, um, time and effort into that only, and like ex- expectations that way, then it almost takes away from the fun and why we're actually doing it. So, kind of, you know, sit down and think about that before you go. What What will be successful? If I went out and enjoyed six killer days with some of my best friends or family members, and we ate good, and we hiked, and we, we were able to enjoy the outdoors. Um, is that successful? I'd say most of the time, yeah. And then the icing on the cake is getting a harvest.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Positivity is so important with that, you know, and like that's, it's kind of the crux of social media, you know, like I I work social media, I see it every day and then everyone's all thinking about like, oh, I got to shoot the biggest deer. I'm not successful if I don't do that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really all about the experience, you know, like I'm I'm going out on this hunt with my dad and like, I know I'm going to enjoy it no matter what, just because I like I've never done anything like this with them before, and it's going to be a brand new experience. And regardless if we notch a tag or not, like I'm just going to have the mentality that this is going to be really awesome.
2: Well, oh, and side so note, I I knew a hunting
1: guide a while back. Um, he had he was he was interesting because he he didn't always uh, you know take an animal. A lot of times to him, success was how long could he track it? I mean, a lot of times he was just like, you know, I don't really need it. And uh, he sent us a picture one time of this elk that was just amazing. And he's like, you know, I just couldn't bring myself to shoot it. (laughs) I know somebody else probably did, but he goes, we tracked that thing for four days. And he was more happy with that result than he was with actually taking the animal. So that it's interesting. Success is everybody's, they've kind of got their own definition for him. Mm -hmm he felt more successful just tracking this thing for 4 days. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay. Yep, so, absolutely. That did, yeah. that kind of brings me to that initial story I talked about setting the scene for like where we're going to where we're going to end up camping that that buck that I was after that got into, you know, a 7 in 7-inch seven snowstorm afterwards like I had, I did end up fighting finding that buck and I did end up harvesting that one and it it was just crazy how it happened cuz like I, I knew he was going to be down in some deep draws so like because you know get out of this storm and i ended up bumping him and then you know just looking at myself all disgusted like i oh, missed opportunity but th- then i realized like oh i've got seven inches of fresh snow and like i know where he ran so i can get on yeah. his tracks and like you know there's all the technology in the world nowadays but like to just start tracking an animal and finding them that way. Like that was, that was probably one of my most rewarding hunts is to actually like find that deer and to, and to actually harvest it that way. So
1: it's, it's really the sport of it. If you think about it,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the reason why we're out there, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of getting back to that traditional style of hunting and providing and things like that. And that's just kind of just one of the many things that makes the outdoors so incredible.
3: My uh, my father in law had a similar experience. He's the the farthest from technology when it comes to hunting. Like he's he's not using the latest and the greatest, and he's probably not going to have a rangefinder and all that stuff. But uh, one time he called me and sent me a picture of a deer that he killed, and it was just you know pushing two hundred inch mule deer and mm-hmm. thirty five inches wide, just this monster buck. And I was like, tell me the story. He's like, well, we got a really good snowstorm, and I knew exactly where big deer hang out, so I got in the bottom of the canyon until I cut a big buck track. And he's like, I cut several deer tracks, but once I found that track that was in the fresh snow, that was a big buck. I stayed on it for five miles, and I caught up to him. Wow, so that's awesome. He's like, I, I just, cool. I worked, I worked up and down a ridge, and and uh, it was about four or five miles of tracking this this track, just staying on it really slow, and eventually I come up over a ridge, and he was he was just slowly working his way away from me at like a hundred yards. And turned broadside and looked back at me like he'd kind of been had. And he says, "I shot him." And it was a really <laughs> cool story because he really used nature's elements and kind of how people used to harvest animals before lots of technology. I mean, and we we still rely on that, and and I like it. I'm also not against using technology if it if it helps us be successful. If that's what you're classifying as success, so
0: oh, absolutely. I mean, hunting's hard enough the way it is. Like any little edge you can get, you you probably want to take that. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this has been a great chat, guys. I've, you know, learned a lot on this, got myself kind of in that in that mentality and realized that I definitely need to put my gear list together and start packing and get ready for this. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited. So, you know, appreciate the time, guys. Appreciate the information. And, uh, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for
3: having me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You just heard our conversation on camping where everyone else isn't with Steve McLeod of Vorsheer, Mike Hernandez of the YouTube channel Fieldcraft Survival, and Brooks Hansen of Camp Chef. If you're interested in any of these products or follow, want to follow along with any of these guys on their social channels, we'll have that all linked in the description of this podcast. But make sure to go check out Fieldcraft survival YouTube page as they have a ton of gear reviews, survival tips, and just a ton of content to get lost in. Also, make sure to go follow along with the Shields Outdoors pages as I'll be giving updates on how that hunt goes with my dad as we try to put him on his first ever mule deer. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time.